there's a big difference between I can survive it and I'm looking forward to it. Mm. And I want the audience to be in that position of, you know, when a downturn hits, I'm ready for it and can handle it. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really excited for you today because I'm sitting down with Jonathan Slane, the author of Rock the Recession and founder of Recession.com. Now, he is like the foremost expert on how to get ready for any kind of downturn that's coming up because downturns are guaranteed. It's never if, it's always when. And it makes more sense to be fully prepared to thrive in a downturn than it does to struggle. And I know many of you listening, you know what it was like to struggle through the Great Recession that we had about 10 years ago. Now, you're going to love Jonathan's incredible story of why he's so passionate about teaching people how to not just make it through, but to take advantage of all of the incredible opportunities that present themselves that actually make people much richer during a recession while other people are going backwards. Uh, He talks brilliantly about why marketing is so much more effective and smarter in a recession than it is now and that you should be doubling down on your marketing because it's easier to stand out as opposed to right now, you're just getting lost in a sea of other people marketing because money's flowing everywhere. You're going to love his aim and his focus around generosity and and the family uh, plan that they have set up around that and his advice on what you should do when it comes to giving and generosity in a recession and just so many more brilliant things that he teaches you about his process for making sure that you are set up and that your money is well taken care of during any kind of downturn. That's also what we teach in the money principles our study at home money course that helps you not just with your relationship with money, but the actual fundamentals of what you do with it. And so if you love this episode at the end, I want you to go to thetruthaboutmoney.com. Again, if you love what we're talking about right now, getting your money in order, both how you feel about it, how you see it, your feelings around it, but most importantly, what to do with it. Then I want you to go to thetruthaboutmoney.com at the end of this episode because there is so much value there. So you never have to worry about what to do, not just in a recession, but even right now. So go check it out, thetruthaboutmoney.com. It'll change your life forever by taking away your financial stress, I assure you. In the meantime, get ready to hear this incredible episode. Listen up, take some notes because this episode is on fire. Jonathan Slane, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for making some time. How are you? Great. Let's rock, dude. Dude, I love it. So offline, what people don't know is I go, all right, you ready? Let's rock. He's like, wait, that's my line. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So we're going to start with some rapid fire. Uh, It's a fun way to help our listeners get to know you in a hurry. And if there's something really good that comes up, we'll circle back around and do a deep dive on it. You down? Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to start real easy. Where'd you grow up? I'm a Cleveland guy, so Cleveland, Ohio, and more properly, Shaker Heights. Ah, that I mean, Cleveland's still Midwest, right? Yeah, I, we consider, if you can hear from my flat affect, we consider ourselves to be Midwest. I love it. I'm Midwest born and raised, Wisconsin area. All right, so you must have played Euchre growing up. Yeah, totally. Oh my God, that's <laughs> hilarious that you know that. Okay, so where do you live now? Are you still in Cleveland area? 
Yeah, so I went to school in North Carolina. Uh, so I'm a Tar Heel, met my wife down there, uh, and then convinced her to move back to Cleveland. So you and the audience know that I can sell. <laughs> uh, and then, and, and yeah, so um, live about 10 miles away from where I grew up. Oh, very cool. Favorite quote? When a job is once begun, do not leave it till it's done. Be it big or be it small. Do it well or not at all. Man, I love that. I love that. What is one of your superpowers, do you think? So I am really good at uh, estimating or guesstimating. Uh, what something will cost or about how long it will take. Uh, so uh, very good at negotiating in terms of if you uh, tell me off the top of your head how much you think a job should cost, mm -hmm. then I can quickly know um, who's going to win or lose in the, uh, the coming uh, contract. That's valuable for sure. What's one of your favorite books besides your own? <laughs> exactly. The, the recently uh, Deep Work, I love that book by uh, Newport. Uh, just really... I think today we're all so busy being busy uh, that we've lost as knowledge workers a lot of the ability to just slow down and really think through problems. And I love how Cal in that book just gives a lot of tactical advice for how to think deeper um, as opposed to just telling us that that's something we all need to do. Since mm -hmm. I think we all know that, uh, it's just how do you actually make do it right. happen these days? Boy, I agree with you on that. A couple more here. What's something you're challenged by right now? Maybe you just talked about it. Who knows? The the big thing for me is that I feel like in 2019, uh, I did a really good job with work and with this book thing and with my wife, hmm. spending more time with her. I feel like my kids kind of got uh, whatever was left over in the tank at the end of the day. And so I gave my best energy to my clients, my best energy to my wife this year. And then they just uh, got kind of the uh, the dregs of the coffee at the bottom of the mm. cup. And so in 2020, that's going to have to be one of my big resolutions is I got to figure out a way to give the kids more of my best energy yeah. as opposed to just what's left. Good for you, man. What a cool thing to be aware of. I love that. Two more. What's something generous you've done recently? Uh, so... Uh, Give a lot to abused, neglected, and impoverished kids every year. That's uh, my my wife and my's nonprofit of choice. Love it. So um, that would be at the top of the list. I love it. Well done. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today? Really, the health of my family and my wife and kids. So without that, I think everything else stops and doesn't really matter to me. As long as we all can be. Uh, healthy and happy, then good to go. I agree, man. Okay, let's get a little bit deeper now. I want to take you back 10 years. And much like me, you don't know this about me, I don't think, but much like me, you spent the Great Recession, so to speak, you know, huddled in the fetal position, as you put it, on the floor of your office. I mean, you were deep in it. And also like me, you borrowed $250,000 from your mother-in-law we actually borrowed 120 grand from my parents, plus my whole severance package I had just gotten. So I know what you felt like. I know what it was like to get your butt kicked in the last recession. Give us your version of what happened. Dude, Chris, the, the worst part about that story, um, borrowing a quarter of a million bucks from my mother-in-law, is that I didn't even borrow it all at once. Oh. I borrowed... It, it, was, uh, it was 12 separate phone calls. Because uh, my payroll was about twenty thousand every two weeks, Man. and so yeah, so it was constantly calling back, and I'm not sure why it never tripped in my brain. 
I think I must be missing a uh, a transistor in my brain because after the fifth call, one would think I would have like gotten it or the sixth <laughs> or the seventh or the eighth. Maybe you like, maybe you're a glutton for the pain. Maybe you liked going back to slowly tear that band-aid off 12 times. <laughs> yeah, so the, having to relive that every 2 weeks and have that conversation over and over with my wife, you know, that if we go back to that place, that's what found me huddled in the fetal position. It's really that that's where uh, this whole book and the project came from is that I don't believe anybody should have to borrow money from their mother-in-law uh, mm-hmm. in order to survive a downturn. And whether or not it's caused by uh, the economy like mine was, or I know um, we we're talking a lot of the audience um, is entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. solopreneurs. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like if they're out there and they don't agree that there's a recession coming in 2020, then there's a lot of recessions, downturns that hit all of our businesses. Mm-hmm. Like if you lose your biggest customer, that would put most businesses into a recession. If uh, if you're you know if you have employees and your best employee or your three best employees leave and go start a competing business, you're in a recession. Wow. Yeah. Or recently, like we've seen a lot of government regulatory changes. Mm-hmm. Like I have, um, I was talking to a company that is. Um, a vape cartridge manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, they're, they're under the gun right now. Yeah, I mean they're they're in uh, California, and the legislatures um, around the country in certain states have just all of a sudden put a moratorium on vaping. Mm-hmm. And so, what does that do to your business um, if you don't have a plan? It's like an instant personal recession. I really like what you're saying here. I, all of a sudden, it makes sense. It's not just sitting around waiting for the economy to take a downward turn. There could be any number of things that puts us in our own personal recession. No, dude. Well, I mean, you were saying 10 years ago, you had one too yep. and had to borrow my... I mean, so as long as if you're an entrepreneur and you're still listening to us, then you're going to have a downturn in your business at some point for whatever reason, maybe driven by the economy. Could be any of those things I just railed off. By the way, what if you find out that your accountant or uh, your bookkeeper embezzled 50 grand from you? Happened or to a friend of mine, $300,000. It's yeah, a real downturn. thing. It happens. So, yeah, right. that's so a heck of a downturn. Yeah. So then, then you're in a downturn. So the whole idea here is just if you want to rock it instead of getting rocked by it, that you just need to have a plan and you need to put the plan together in the cool, rational light of day instead of the emotional heat of the night when you're just on the floor in the fetal position, unable to make good decisions. And at that point, you just really are trying to figure out your least bad option mm. instead of what your best option is. Yeah. So I'm going to press you on your story a little bit more because I know my listeners, I know they love the story of both you know, what you were doing when you had this $20,000 a month payroll that you had to keep borrowing and how you got out of it. So share those with us. Yeah. So the, the business, uh, I'm a recovering uh, investment banker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... I was uh, working doing 80 to 100 hours a week of investment banking. And my brother-in-law uh, came to me and said, Hey, there's this gym franchise. I want you to come check it out with me. It's in Denver. And make sure uh, it's okay for me to, to get into. So I flew out to Denver with them. And on the flight home, I said, Why don't I leave the bank and do this with you? Wow. So quickly, over the next 5 years, we grew to have 5 franchise locations all over Cleveland all personal training gyms. And so I had 25 employees and no idea what I was doing. Uh, And so the wheels um, came off in the Great Recession because Chris, the thing I learned is that the worst 
The worst thing that you can try to sell in a recession is personal training. I, I suppose it's probably considered a luxury, right? Like one of the first things people will cut out. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a discretionary item. And even if you can afford it, the optics of going to see your personal trainer while everybody else is in a recession, not good. So everybody was cutting back on personal training um, and we didn't have a plan. So that's um, where we were positioned. Mm -hmm. And then the second part of your question, so how did we get out of it? We borrowed the money uh, from my mother-in-law to survive. And then when the market came back, our clients came back and we uh, just repaid her. So um, it wasn't overnight. Uh, it took us a couple of years, um, but repaid her. And ultimately, my brother-in-law uh, bought me out of that business a little over three years ago. Okay. Uh, when I figured out that my thing that I'm really passionate about is more growing businesses and consulting yep. and not um, fitness. So, yeah, But you're doing I'm a not, great job um, of now. Yeah. So for me, it's like um, I like working out. I figured that out. Um, I don't like helping other people work out. So <laughs> that's that's what I learned. And um, but I do like helping um, people improve their businesses. So I guess I'm uh, still a personal trainer, just in the uh, the business yeah, in realm. The business now. World. Jonathan, I want to ask you what, what it feel like when you paid your mother in law back. Because I got to tell you, when we paid my parents back, it was the greatest feeling on the planet. And also, it gave me an extra like kick. Once I had to borrow that money, there was no because I don't know about your mother in law, but my parents they're not rich or anything. Like this was a great big chunk of their small bit of liquidity when it comes to their retirement. So I had a real like fire lit to make sure I was going to be able to have a comeback and pay them back. What were your feelings when you finally paid them back? Yeah, dude, I was looking for the picture of the big check uh, Mm -hmm. because I was going to show it to you. But I actually went to Fast Signs and got one of those big checks like on the Publishers Clearinghouse. Mm -hmm. I don't know if uh, the audience is even old enough to even remember what that's all about. But Got one of the big checks, had it printed out. I flew down to where uh, my mother-in-law's house is in Myrtle Beach. And I took her the big check. And it was an awesome feeling paying her off and being out from under that burden. Yeah. Uh, so I would say it was almost worth it. Uh, but it, you know, and it also just spent Thanksgiving with my mother-in-law. So that situation is a lot less, uh, awkward once we, uh, had paid her back. Man, I love it. Yeah. It makes the holidays awkward for sure. Okay. So I want to move on now to, you had said something, you said the recession happened to you like many other people, or I forgot your exact semantics. I teach a lot that with a hundred percent ownership, nothing happens to you. Like, I don't feel like the recession happened to me. I happened to me. I could have been better prepared. And that's what your entire message is. That's what you teach. It's what your entire book is, is if you're better prepared, then any downturn isn't going to, quote, happen to you. Instead, it's going to be the inverse. It's going to be an incredible opportunity for you. So talk to us about that. Why is a recession a really good opportunity for people? Most people view it as as a scary time. Well, the... The typical advice in a recession is that you need to cut overhead and fire everybody. Mm-hmm. And you survive and you get through it. And so that book's already been written. I wasn't interested in that story. I was interested in recessions as major opportunities. Like this whole idea that Warren Buffett likes to buy stock when everybody else is selling. Mm-hmm. And he likes to sell when everybody else is buying. Yep. And so what do... Uh, how do people like Warren Buffett think? How do other people that made a lot of money in past recessions, how do they think? Because whenever there's a recession, there's massive disruption. 
disruption creates opportunities. And so there's got to be some way as entrepreneurs that we can look at those opportunities to really grow our businesses. And I'm talking like 10x. Mm-hmm. So part of it for me too, Chris, is I'm just I'm tired of every business book right now is about how if you want to be successful, you have to hustle and you have to grind it out. So the you know you need to work your day job, then you need to work on your um, your your side hustle for another 40 hours, and then. You're working 80 hours a week, and then you drive an Uber for um, another 30 hours. And then if you do all that, and you work 100 plus hours a week, and you just grind it out, then you can maybe make something of yourself. Yeah. And I get it. I agree that that, um, that works. I'm not saying I don't work a ton of hours. And I'm saying that there must be a way to use these recessions as opportunities to hack the system. Mm. And so that, those were the stories I sought out. Like my, the guy that I wrote the book with, Paul Belair... Uh, his story in the Great Recession is that he invested a million dollars with his team to buy a business. They grew it through the Great Recession, uh, and then they sold it 63 months later for over 70 million. Okay, so this doesn't have to be something we could be scared of if we're in the right position. And he's proof of that. You know what's funny? I had a business partner. His name was Todd, and he was the opposite situation of me. He had taken great care of his money back then. He was well prepared for it. Had a lot of liquidity, and um, he was he made a killing in the recession buying properties that were foreclosed on and, and mortgage notes that were being foreclosed on. So it is a massive opportunity when the world's on sale and your message is be like those guys that put themselves in position. Now, we're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs where you know they might only be making 100 grand a year, 200 grand a year, 300 grand a year, or even 50 grand a year towards the beginning stages of their business. How do they put themselves in a li- liquid position to be ready to survive and even thrive and take advantage of opportunities in a recession. Yeah, so when I, I did a, uh, a spot on uh, Fox Business and same question and my response, uh, same as then, is that you take 10% of your current expenses mm-hmm. and cut them mm-hmm. and then put that money into savings so that you can pounce when the recession hits. Oh, smart. So the idea would be take your profit and loss statement, mm-hmm. figure out what your expenses are, and then I guarantee you that there's 10% there that always, you can cut. Yep. And well, it's not just always for me because right now, I think what I'm seeing is I look at a lot of financial statements. Mm-hmm. It's been a decade since the last recession. Yeah. I think a lot of us, honestly, Chris, are just getting complacent. Yeah, we've gotten a little, been, a little too fat. It's been so long that I know that there's fat to trim. Mm-hmm. You know, Do you need to run that country club membership through the business? Yeah. Um, do you need it? Do you need um, the luxury car? Is that a place that you could cut back? Could you take out your own trash or do you need a cleaning person to help you with that? Mm -hmm. Whatever those those pieces may be, could you take 10% and put that into savings? And if you're willing to do that, there's a huge return. So one of the stories, like for me, I know I was huddled in the fetal position and the recession kicked my butt. One of the things I did do well though, was take advantage of some opportunities to buy gym equipment. Yep. Tell so us about I it. Had, I, yeah, I'd gone to my bankers before the recession hit and said, Hey, look, if there's ever opportunities to buy gym equipment, then I would love to, to look at those. Okay. And so they knew that they should call me. So they would get a, a foreclosed gym. And I'm thinking about one that they had in New York City, right in the heart of the city, a, a little personal training gym closed. The bank called me and they said, Hey, look, we've got this gym. Do you want to buy their equipment? We'll send you over an Excel spreadsheet that lists out all the assets. 
they did. It was about 30,000 bucks in equipment. And I called them back and I said, look, I don't uh, have anywhere near that. I could um, you know, give you $1,000 or $2,000 for it. And the guy said, let me call you back in an hour. He called back in an hour and said, if you overnight us a check for $1,000, the equipment's yours. You pick it up. Wow. And so we did. So the point of the story, though, is that the reason that happens is that the bank doesn't want to be in the uh, gym equipment business. No. First of all, they would have to go and pick up the equipment. They'd have to hire a bunch of strong men and women to carry it out. They'd have to rent a truck to put it in. Mm-hmm. They'd have to rent a storage uh, facility to go drop all the equipment in. And then they would have to set up an auction. They'd have to go pick the stuff up, take it to the auction. The auction would want a third of all the proceeds. Mm-hmm. There's just no uh, way that they can logistically make that work. Mm. So as long as they can sell it to somebody like me for anything above zero, <laughs> they're ahead of the game because they're going to lose every time they have to repossess gym equipment. And for the solopreneurs that are listening out there or the small businesses, the same thing. If you're a baker and you covet a large commercial oven, you just need to let a bunch of banks know that you're a buyer for that oven and you've got a truck and you'll gladly come pick it up. But the deal is you have to do that stuff now. Mm. Because in a recession, they're just going to go to their Rolodex and call the first person that they think can give them cash. Oh, so you got to be that first person that comes to mind. And so you need to create those relationships now because in a recession, there's going to be people lining up to buy all those cheap assets. And so that's why now is the perfect time to start creating those relationships. And nobody's thinking about that right now. Nobody's thinking about setting that up now uh, because we're all complacent. So that's where for for the audience that's still listening in with us, uh, I see big opportunities to set yourself up so that when the recession hits, the banks are calling you. And you can just clean up on being able to purchase assets or maybe other small businesses that weren't smart enough to listen to us. Jonathan, I'm hearing two steps that have everything to do with preparing before any recession hits and nothing to do with when it hits. And the first one was to start you know, saving 10% of the money that you make, no matter how you can, to put it aside as your, I'm going to call it your secret weapon during a recession. So you can go take advantage of the world being on sale. And the second thing is, in order to find these deals, you need to start now ahead of time Letting banks know that, hey, when you foreclose on X, Y, and Z, whatever it is that you're interested in, I, I have a truck and I'm liquid and I will be there when you're ready. And I think this is what sets people apart. Most people listening are like, oh, sounds like a lot of work doing the work ahead before I really need to. And they're the ones that are, once again, going to end up you know, in trouble during recession while the rest of us go around snapping up bargains and end up even wealthier coming out the other end of it. Yeah, I for me it's uh it's a question of if you're interested in growing your business mm-hmm. and you need an oven that is sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars and you know you could get it for three to five thousand if you work the phones and set up some relationships, uh, I see the ROI there. I'm assuming most people won't take those steps and won't listen, and that's why those opportunities exist for those who are willing to um, be smart about it. Is this what's none taught- of it take? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, is this what's taught in your books? I remember in your book, there's a four-step process to be ready to like really kick ass in the next recession. Is this one of the four steps? It's, it's definitely uh, tucked into uh, steps two and three. So the first thing, the first gear in our model, and this isn't uh, us just making up an academic model. This is just what we learned from all the people that we interviewed who rocked the last recession. Mm-hmm. The first thing is to assess where you are. And so what that means to me is just benchmark your recession readiness 
And on recession.com, which is our site, and yes, that really is our website, you can go and get a score for your, um, for your business. It's a score from 0 to 100. You just answer our 20 questions. And then if you get a 0, you're probably going to go bankrupt in the next recession. <laughs> and if you get a 100, you're probably licking your chops. Can't wait looking forward to pouncing in the next recession. And that's free. Paul and I put together the 20 questions. And the interesting thing, Chris, is of the, the we've got uh, over a thousand responses at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, average score right now, want to take a guess? Yeah, I'm going to say about a five. <laughs> average score is a 37. So for the audience, if you go take um, the recession readiness assessment, you're over 37. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 37 out of 100. Man, um, that is so. a failing grade. Yeah, I mean, for us, we're um, really thinking you need to be at 70. Yeah. Um, in order to really be ready. And then if you're an 85 or above, we're saying that those are the ones that are looking forward to the next recession. And so far, 1% of the people that have taken it have been at 85 or above. Wow. So almost no one's prepared. Uh, almost no one's looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's there's a big difference between I can survive it and I'm looking forward to it. Mm. And I want the audience to be in that position of, you know, when a downturn hits, I'm ready for it and can handle it. And by the way, bakeries go out of business every day. Mm-hmm. So if you have those conversations with your bank, it doesn't mean that um, you have to wait till 2022 to be able to get that oven coming your way. Mm. It's just what can you do now to start being ready to crush the crash, dominate the downturn, rock it's the br- recession. Brilliant reminder once again, we don't have to wait for the downturn. Like these opportunities are going to show up if we're doing the work right now. So real, then, real quick, the, the like what sec- were the four? Yeah, I was going to say, walk us through these four steps. Yeah. So first thing you're doing is assessing, getting your score. The second thing is to tune up your business and personal life. And so do you have an adequate line of credit? And that could be a home equity line of credit for small uh, businesses and entrepreneurs. But you need to have enough credit available that even if you don't have the cash, you could still buy the oven with that yeah. line of credit. Yep. And if all this stuff I'm not talking, I'm talking about doesn't work out, mm-hmm. then what could you do to make sure um, that you could still survive and have enough operating expense uh, in the bank? And people available? need to be careful because sometimes when a recession hits, those line of, lines of credit that you think you have, even though you've done nothing wrong, they'll start closing them. Yeah. So I mean... One thing that you can consider is you just draw it right away mm-hmm. so that when we hit the line, when we hit a recession, you take your entire line of credit mm-hmm. and put it in your bank account mm-hmm. because then the bank can't do anything um, oh. once you've already drawn on it. And it's worth so then paying the interest on if you want that liquidity sitting there. That's smart. Correct. Um, so for a couple months, you sit it um, in your account and you just wait and see. Um, a lot of people didn't do that. Uh, because they didn't have the foresight in the last recession. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the bank did draw them down. So, so, And you don't have to do it today. You can literally wait till the, the signs are there, the cracks are there. Like it's impending and go take that money out real quick. Yeah. I mean, so for me, it's that a recession technically uh, is when we have two quarters of GDP dropping. Yep. And right now we haven't even had that for one quarter. So when you see on CNN, when you see on Fox, whatever your preference is, that we've had one quarter of GDP dropping, Mm -hmm. then you could maybe get more aggressive with Mm -hmm. your prep and moving things off your line of credit and into your account. And also our economy has announced a quarter in arrears, Mm -hmm. which is just a fancy way of saying in December, they'll tell us how we did back in the third quarter, uh, etc. So 
you've got some time if you're uh, if you're listening to this um, to start watching that. But that that second gear is to tune yourself up. So the other thing, my other favorite uh, item from this gear, Chris, is that with personal guarantees, now is the perfect time to go to your bank and ask them to cap or to eliminate your personal guarantee. Oh. So if you have one, right right now when the economy is strong. You can actually have that conversation with your bank about reducing or eliminating a personal guarantee. If you try to have that conversation in a downturn, they're just going to laugh at you. Yeah, that's really smart. I've never had anyone give that advice. So for people wondering what he's talking about, if you have loans where you've been the personal guarantor on it, uh, maybe it's secured by your business and your personal guarantor or your home and your personal guarantor. Um, you can go and remove yourself as that personal guarantor so that in a recession, if you have to let that loan go, it's not going to hurt you per- you personally. Yeah, or maybe you could cap it. So, you know, if you um, have uh, a net worth of a million dollars and you capped it at two hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and your business um, went sideways, and you know you lost and it was half a million, mm-hmm. then you would only be exposed for the two hundred thousand on your guarantee. Mm-hmm. But again, the, nobody's thinking about this right now because we're complacent. Times are good. Yeah. Uh, I was just watching today, seventy six percent. Of the country currently thinks that um, the economy is in a very strong position, which is all a great opportunity to go back and tune up your business and your personal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now is the time to do that before we're in a downturn. So that's the second gear. The third gear is to race. It's to do all the things in your business, um, like improving productivity, improving the culture of your small business. You want to do all those things now. Because a recession will always test your culture. Mm-hmm. It will always test your people, your their productivity, because people will be scared. Mm-hmm. They'll be fearful. And it is very hard to improve culture once we're already in a recession. Mm-hmm. And then that last gear is fourth gear, which is to hit the gas hit the uh, and the pounce to accelerate. And that's when you're going to put all these plans into action. You're going to buy other small businesses. You're going to buy assets for cheap. Or you're going to get talent that isn't available right now, because I'm sure a lot of the audience um, understands that with unemployment being so low right now, that great talent just isn't available. In a recession though, you can pounce on that talent. You'll be able to draw them over to your business. But right now, you need to put together your list. Who are the 10 people that you would love to hire to your small business, but they're not even currently available? Mm. And then you want to stay in touch with them once a month, once a quarter, an email, a phone call, a text to let them know what you're up to. Mm -hmm. So that when the recession hits, they'll be like, man, I'm not really sure. I like what's going on with my current company. They're not very buttoned down. But I know that dude, Chris, you know, he's got it locked down. His systems are tight. He was the one telling me that a recession might be coming a year ago. Maybe I'll give him a call and see what's going on with his business because he's been in touch with me. But in a recession, all the A players they're all going to go to their network and get their next their plan B working because that's what A players do. Dude. It's the B and C players that look for uh, for jobs on Indeed. Man, you are right. The A players, it's just networking. Like they they know intuitively where they're going to go if they need to. And that's why I like the getting ready now because they also uh, can smell desperation mm-hmm. and they know once we're in a recession and then you come uh, calling on them. Yep. What's up with that? Yeah. So if you could start that now when things are good and set that foundation, I just think it sets you up to just be a net winner in the next uh, recession. So that's the, that's the fourth gear. 
And then last is the emergency brake. And again, Paul and I just felt like if all this stuff isn't working for you, you're not able to race and then accelerate. You've got to have your emergency brake set so that in the next recession, you're not like me. You don't keep going back every two weeks and asking to borrow another 20 grand. You've set a limit when things are good so that you can cut yourself off when you need to. And you set that limit now when you know, you're rational. Yeah, when you're thinking uh, straight, when you're not thinking out of desperation or fear. Exactly. It's hard to change the uh, tire when you're going 70 miles an hour on the highway. Dude, such good advice. Okay, that alone is worth going out and grabbing the book for sure. Now, talk to me about generosity in a recession. Here's why I'm asking you this. I, right behind you, the, the listeners can't see it, but I can see it. Right behind you, I see this thing called a family quest board, which is like a vision board. It's so cool. And on there, I can clearly read that you had set up your own slain family foundation that you use to give to the causes you care about. So talk to me about giving and generosity in a recession. Should we give the same way that we do, a little more than we do because more people might need it, or a little less than we do because belts are tightening? Yeah, for me, I think our plan is to give the same. We have a target agnostic of whether or not we're in a recession. I think the interesting thing, though, is that if you can give more, I like that idea from the respect of uh, your dollars go further. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, like when it comes to marketing, I want to draw a parallel here. In a recession, the academic research shows that most companies pull back on marketing in a recession. Mm -hmm. It's one of the first things that companies cut, mm -hmm. which is a paradox because the more that you spend on marketing in a recession, actually, the higher your ROI, the higher your return, because less people market in a recession. So it is cheaper to get ads on Google. It's cheaper to get uh, ads on TV, in print, anywhere that you might do that. Um, it's actually smarter to spend more because less people are marketing. So you can really dominate the space. And that's not that's not for me. It's a story we, we tell in the book. Uh, and Chris, you know who told me that story? No. It's Christy Hefner um, who ran Playboy. Yeah. Um, so Hugh's uh, Hef's daughter. Yeah. Um, she ran Playboy. Very successful um, female entrepreneur. Was fortunate enough to get introduced to her so that I could interview her for the book. And so they know at Playboy that in a recession, their competitors are going to cut back, market less. And so their tact is to market more. And so I guess... That's brilliant advice, by the way. The, I bet you saved some businesses in the next downturn just from that alone. For me, um, I think generosity probably goes the same way. So that for every dollar we can donate in a recession, I think it goes even that much further because I'm guessing most people probably pull back on donations. Mm -hmm. And I haven't um, seen that research. So I'm just speculating on yeah, that. But it would make um, sense. But I, I think it would make sense. So I, I'm pretty um, confident that that's probably what happened. So if you can continue donating or amp it up, I'm guessing that your contributions will mean even more. So cool. So important. I'm curious, uh, on your vision board behind you, on, on your family board, what do you guys like to give to the most? Yeah. So our nonprofits of choice are all related to abused, impoverished, and neglected kids. Uh, my wife is a pediatric intensivist. Uh, so she's a doctor that just works in the ICU. So making uh, really sick kids better. And then as for me, um, the nonprofit that I work with is um, CASA. So court appointed um, special advocates, the ones that help out with kids uh, in court that need a guardian because mm -hmm. 
uh, of their parents aren't fit um, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, that's where we choose to donate our time and our money. Wow, you guys are saints. I love it. I love it. Well done. Well no, done. we're just trying. We're just trying to cover up for uh, for some other things, man. <laughs> Are we part. Are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, where can we follow you, and where can we find the book? The book is on Amazon. So, um, rock the recession. Of, rock the recession on Amazon. Uh, so, if you uh, type in recession, it should pop up for you. Okay. And then um, recession dot com is the website in the hub for all things related to rocking the recession. My contact info is on recession.com, as are all of our social media links as well. Very cool. All right, go out, get that book. Remember, it's you don't read these things, you don't prepare for these things in a time of panic, right? When the ship's sinking, you do it right now ahead of time. And and it's the difference between hurting or thriving during this. So I love everything that you shared. I got one last question for you. I ask everybody this question. Tell me, why should people be unapologetic about their own pursuit of success? So for me, it's just related to that's what uh, built this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are so lucky. If um, I don't know how much of the audience is U.S. based versus from um, other A countries, good majority, yep. So I think um, I have been fortunate enough to get to travel to many other um, countries, and I lived in Bolivia for a summer mm-hmm. uh, and got to see what you know. It's like growing up in a third world country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I currently have a Mexican client um, that I work with and so get to go uh, to Mexico. Shout out to my guys in Monterey. Uh, But to see the huge disparity and the opportunities that we have here in the US, I actually um, think it's incumbent on us to take all of that opportunity and maximize, make the most of it. And just follow your message, man, to then be generous with, with all of that fortune that we have. I love it. Great answer. I couldn't agree with you more, Jonathan. I love all the knowledge that you dropped. People have no excuse now to not do well in the next recession or even personal downturn. I love your mission. I love what you're up to. Everybody go to recession.com, take that uh, that assessment to see how ready you are right now, and then take some action. All right, buddy. Thank you a million times over for being on. It means the world. And uh, thanks for what you're doing. Everyone's going to Not everyone, but a lot of people will have a better, more fruitful life in the next downturn because of you. All right, brother. Rock on. Yes. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.